keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total F and Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me as always, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Andy Cups, and Zach. How are you doing, boys? We'll start out with Rob. I have both of my eyeballs, so I guess I'm doing better than most. That's true. Scotty. I actually removed my eyeballs uh, during that match, so I do not have eyeballs, but I hope you guys are doing well. We uh, we still don't have a medical uh, update on Ray. Uh, no, I think we do. I think they time. said he's going to be fine, right? He said he's going to be fine, but <laughs> now apparently, said? he apparently won't sign a contract now, so they may be like, oh, turns out he's not fine. Yeah, it's like, turns out his uh, they replaced it with a dick. Now, now, if he does sign, his eye's got to be a dick. Fuck him. <laughs> Zach, Zach, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, better than the drowned Braun Strowman, too. Don't forget that. No, we're going uh, to get to that today, for sure. Well, 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 on our Patreon, we did talk about Extreme Rules, but we, I promise we'll still talk about the Swamp Match on today's episode. Number one, the Nation of Domination... Or the Hurt Business. Uh, Meltzer reported that the Hurt Business may be turning into the Nation of Domination, or it may stay as the Hurt Business. Are you guys excited about a Nation of Domination reboot, or do you think they should just stick with the Hurt Business? You cannot do a Nation reboot in 2020. <laughs> no, you can't. It's not happening. The idea of it is, is complete madness. There is no chance in hell. I think that if, when it comes to racial subtlety, nobody does it better than Vince McMahon. So I think bringing back the Nation of Domination, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, have uh, Deshaun Jackson and Nick Cannon as their spokespeople. I think that'll really drive it home. Yeah, I, I like the Hurt Business. I don't know. And finally, they gave Shelton Benjamin something to do. So I was pretty excited about that. I, I think the Hurt Business is the best stable of 2005. MVP, Lashley, <laughs> Shelton, uh, you know, they're, it's like they finally realized we had all this great talent years ago that we just kind of squandered. What <laughs> makes it feel a lot ickier is that the only guys they seem to be feuding with are other minority talents. And it's becoming re- just re- really hard to ignore. And, like, you know, I'm sure Bruce doesn't realize it because he doesn't see color because he smoked himself blind but <laughs> it's starting to get a little like uh when they started doing those those race riot storylines years ago when it was like the disciples of apocalypse versus los Bariquas versus the nation in gang warfare i you think trump is helping book this 
They're going to just do it in Chicago and Portland. And yeah, Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump is going to send Dexter Loomis there to uh, to figure it all out. Uh, well, where are the Forgotten Sons? <laughs> yeah, I, they, they can't do it. But, you know, I mean, it, there is something weird, too, is you debut a stable and then immediately have them lose in in a match against two people you've buried for months. And another guy, you know, they haven't buried Mustafa Ali, but, you know, he's not at the level that Lashley is or... I mean, I guess he's at the level of Shelton Benjamin or MVP. But. Well, Dan, it's it's all part of the storyline. See, since Ali was the hacker, he broke into Bruce's computer and changed the script. And that's what they're <laughs> going to reveal next week. He's secretly redoing Raw. I forgot about that hacker thing. And he's still got, like, he's still got the colors of the hacker. So he just looks like a failed WWE creative session. Like his entire performance. Everybody uh, in that segment looked like a failed WWE creative session. You, uh, do you like the name? The hurt business do you think that's like uh, acceptable at all to like say that you're a fan i miss i miss their down? tna name when they were the beatdown clan i thought that was at least that had a little bit better cachet the hurt business is is fine i like that mvp gave them all like executive uh positions on twitter it's like i'm the vice president of acquisitions and kicking ass or something like yeah that. and i love the whole like i mean it's great like you know hey we're in the hurt business like that's like a cool idea but then i also hate wrestling t-shirts that make it like the guy who's wearing it is tough at all or anything that's always been weird for me because it's usually fat guys and skinny guys speaking um, of which our uh, our total f and mark shirt is now available at wrestlingtees.com. <laughs> seamless plug that's right if you're fat or skinny it'll look perfect on you if you are in good shape do not buy it it's mm-hmm. on pro wrestling tees uh the shirt looks fantastic it's our new logo buy it today uh, all the proceeds go to the uh, Scott, Robert, Zach, and Dan Foundation. Yes. Which is a foundation. very important foundation to us. Yeah, it's, it's set up to make sure uh, – it's to promote our literacy. That's why, that's why it's there. Uh, number two. Let's get right to it, folks. Number two. And I lost my fucking place. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. It is Dynamite or NXT. Okay. Number two, Dynamite <laughs> or NXT? Who do you got, Scott? Baby, you know I'm always saying Dynamite, dude. I mean, it was it was it was an incredible episode. It, it, it was a great episode. Um, with you know, none of the matches seemed like they at all had potential in the beginning of the week, right? I mean, you could definitely say it's the weakest card they've had in a, a, in a month and a half, maybe because they've been trying to have like pay-per-view caliber level shows. And it was one of my favorite episodes of wrestling in a, in a long time. It was just a lot of fun um, and a lot of excitement. And I also, I really did like NXT as well. Uh, there were parts of love, but AEW, man, uh, just more entertaining. Robert? I'm going, I'm going black and yellow on this. I, I, I'm Ooh. looking at the, the, at the card now. I'm looking at what I watched. I think overall, I found myself enjoying a lot more what I saw on NXT than I did on on Dynamite. I think that the filler on Dynamite was a little more apparent than what there was in NXT. And the stuff that I liked on Dynamite, I thought, you know, the, the Young Bucks, Busher and Blade tag match all over the place was good. But it felt like it was a, uh, a pay-per-view kind of, we're just doing a bunch of spots. And it starts to lose its luster after a while. 
and I didn't really need to see the the Jurassic Express uh, in a in a main event slot again. And I, what was so strange is there were like two or three different segments that immediately led to matches that were set for next week based on spontaneous action in the ring, but they already had the graphics yeah. set up. Yeah, that always I always try to justify that in my head, and I yeah. never can. And it's just fun. isn't that like every Wednesday night I like grind my teeth trying to trying to justify that as I go to sleep. That's a tough but one. But on the same, I mean, like, it, isn't that, like, it's not really breaking the fourth wall if every time somebody, you know, enters the ring, their theme music plays for a run-in. I mean, we've, yeah. we've accepted that in wrestling. For, well, also, well, that's different. They have the, you have all the, the music queued up for every wrestler. So when someone's ready to go, you know it. The fact that they already had the, uh, the Inner Circle versus Jurassic Express and the Best Friends like, logo all ready to go it suspends disbelief a little bit that there's just like some poor Korean animator who's just sitting there ready to like, while they're just whipping him, like, get it up, get it up right now. The economy's <laughs> rough, man. I did, I did love Eddie Kingston. I, they need to sign this dude. Pronto. That was awesome. They, Eddie Kingston was awesome, but the problem is Eddie Kingston tends to be his own worst enemy a lot of the time. Um, very nice guy. I, I think he's great. He's had so many gimmicks. We used to joke in MLW because he'd kind of hang around with everybody. And we're like, what what gimmick has he not had? So we were going to make him the, the, the uh, oh, man, it was the uh, the Puerto Rican coal miner because he's always he's, he's all about being Puerto Rican. We were going to put one of those helmets on him. He was always going to come out from under the ring with a pickaxe. And it, he would have he killed it. But then the problem is, is that, we saw that promo a few weeks ago where he, you know, what got him this spot, but that's Eddie Kingston and he'd probably be still on the back. You know, it was a, it was a great match with Cody and he'd still just be talking shit to Cody after because, you know, this is real. This, this shit really right here is that? real. He, oh, he, oh, I told you before he, I saw him cut a promo like this in a Fridays. So he, it's just, it's always on. Which you think uh, he, yeah. like he, so he like legitimately, turns it into a shoot backstage. He, he can. And then what was strange in the narrative, and I kind of felt bad, was they were talking about how he's been on such hard times, he had to sell his ring boots. Yeah. And it's, it's so now it's like, I feel terrible for, you're supposed to root against him because he's the heel in this match and you want to see Cody retain. But at the same time, it's, it's like that Simpsons gag where they're, they're doing the boxing thing. And they're like, oh, he fought his way out from being a hobo. It's like, no, he's still a hobo. He's fighting for a sandwich. It's like, I feel terrible for, for Eddie that he right. lost this match and now he's going to be back on the streets. You know, Cody's yeah, going to make mean, a YouTube would... video of him giving him new ring boots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Santa shows up. Yeah, with a contract underneath it. <laughs> well, they, I mean, he definitely was a babyface, especially after, like, he was a babyface by the end of, you know, his, by the end of the show, like, especially the, the interview afterwards. And I'd, I'd love to see it. Mike, Mike Lawrence was saying this to us in a, in a text thread. But I would – I mean, him and MJF trading barbs back and forth, I mean, that's got to be just – just because, too, they're like – they're the two people in a Long Island deli that would tell you how to eat a bacon, egg, and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, so, they're polar opposites, but they live five minutes away from each other. That's I, it. Yeah, I don't think uh, MJF's having bacon on whatever sandwich he's, uh, he's enjoying. <laughs> Turkey bacon. Oh, I, I, I will say this about AEW, though. Um, I, I didn't think there was filler last night, and that's why I liked it. But I think what it was, which was besides probably the, besides the ladies too, if you haven't been watching it a lot, is like to push a storylines, they were kind of using like a lot of C players. 
So it's mm -hmm. MJF with a guy you don't know. Um, a lot of things like that. So I, I get it coming off like filler, but I don't know. Everything felt kind of pushing things forward. I, I, was, I loved it, man. I, I, and I like NXT, NXT. I thought there was more filler. But NXT, here's what I'll say about NXT. Um, relinquishing the title, I was a little weird about it, right? I was weird about it. But I love that Keith Lee, you know, added this whole, I only said I'd do it if as many people as possible could compete for it. Um, so now they're doing like triple threats every week, which I, I think that's a cool spin. I like that. It, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was cool. And the triple threat match was, was a lot of fun. The Johnny Gargano, Roderick Strong, Bronson. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I think that the, the matches on NXT over-delivered versus what I would have seen on paper. I was surprised how much I liked Dexter Loomis and Killian Dane. I mean, those guys, Dexter Loomis, this was the best outing I've ever seen him have. Uh, Brizongo doing the Mountie stuff was, was kind of funny. The Thatcher, uh, <laughs> Oni Larkin match, they could do that every week for the rest of the year. I probably wouldn't get sick of it. <laughs> One of the announcers during Dexter Loomis, she said, uh, he's an artist. And his art speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I loved, I loved the main event, which was the beginning of Rocky IV. Um, I thought yeah, that was... I thought that the main event was great. The main event was... I mean, the, the angle at the end was... And that was the most I've ever liked Dijakovic. I'm like, oh, he is a yeah. baby face now. Okay, I, I completely buy this. But I, I, I liked... I like Dynamite better. Uh, I'm just going to go through Dynamite really quick. Uh, MJF versus Riff Garrison. I thought this was so fun. And yeah. if there's any guy that can do a promo in the middle of the match, it's, it's MJF. And Griff Garrison's gimmick of just kind of being the loser who gets his ass beat. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that's a gimmick or that's just what, what – that's the end of his story. But it was great. I, I like the Butcher and the Blade versus Young Bucks. I, I thought that was – I loved it, man. It felt match. like a video game. It felt like a video game. It, it, it was good, like but they, they're, I guess uh, they're, they're coming out of it kind of banged up, a little injured. And I feel like you, you gave away a lot on a, uh, on a free episode of Dynamite. It wasn't even a, a labeled episode. It just felt like they, they gave you a lot for that match on free TV. And I would have I held some of it back. Well, I think there's an argument for that, too. But, man, I don't know what it is. But, and, I, and I know I'm the resident fashionista on this podcast. But ever since the Butcher and the Blade have changed to like that uh, that Labor Day look, they look fantastic. They do look sharp. Yeah, I think they rule. And also AEW, uh, eight hundred forty-five thousand uh, viewers. NXT, six hundred fifteen. Uh, whatever that means <laughs> to anybody not a listening. Good sign for NXT. <laughs> well, it's if not, the challenge is AEW. AEW. These are these are similar numbers to pre-COVID. This is like an A. This is an AEW regular. Um, number so that's impressive I think Diamente, they did a nice number Diamante went up against uh, Evil Lease which was not good um, Adam Page and Alan Angels was fine and the main event I thought was great Jurassic Express versus Chris Jericho Jericho not Jericho uh, and oh, that, that's what his name would be on the independence if WWE got to the trademark battle first and uh, Jake Hager and I thought that was really great it was great to see Sammy back uh, I, I also really like Dynamite I mean I really liked NXT um, I just find that I, I understand like why like I understand Scott what you're saying about Keith Lee that he's like trying to give you know as many people 
a, a chance, but it just is like, why have the match then? You know, like it just like the whole point of having two titles is to have two titles for a little bit. And also you can get carrying cross over this way. Have carrying cross win the first time. So he's the North American champion. I don't know. It seemed weird to have him give up uh, the, the North American title. First of all, it highlights how worthless that championship is that he was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother wasting my time defending two belts. I'm just going to, I'm just going to cough this right. one up and, and you guys can fight over it. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is probably the ugliest looking title out of all the titles I have to say. And, and, and WWE has been, have been do has been doing this carny shit lately where they've been like, you know, the whole day they had William Regal be like, Oh, we've got a, we've got a big announcement to make. So everybody thought that William Regal was stepping down or something. And then it turned out to be this which, like, I'm all for Cardi shit. I actually thought, like, it worked pretty well when they were, like, advertising the greatest match ever. But you can't cry wolf, like, more than ten times in one month. And I think that's going to come back and bite WWE on the ass. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Dexter Loomis versus Killian Dane was fine. I, I think Dexter Loomis is, like, you know, he's good for the gimmick. I, I think the gimmick is, you know, it's like PCO being Jean-Pierre Lafitte. It's only gonna it's only gonna get you so far, but you know, for the gimmick, he's fine. Rizango versus Everrise. Everrise just sounds like a, like an early two thousands fucking alternative band or something. It looks just sounds fucking terrible. Um Aliyah versus Shotzi Blackheart. What are you guys thinking about this Robert Jordan angle? Do you like it or not like it? I wasn't crazy about it last night, but I think he does a good job for what it is. You mean uh Robert Stone? Yeah, Robert. Robert Stone, yeah. Oh, Robert, oh, yeah. I mean, it's he's he's fine in that role. I'm glad that they're trying to get back into the world of managers, and he he can take the bump, so he plays the part well. And it's going to give Mercedes Martinez something, which will hopefully yeah. prevent her from getting pushed into Shayna Baszler world of I don't understand why she's on TV, and then Vince loses interest. Yeah, I I really like you know I really like him, and a lot of people. I understand that people are like groaning because they think it's like billionaire Ted all over again, but I think he does an excellent job with it. And I think it also says volumes about it. I mean, can you imagine in the seventies or eighties, like any guy that looked like that willing to bump for a girl like, that just never would have happened because that guy can go, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see him, see him like, all right, well, I'm just going to put these girls over. Um, the North American Championship qualifying match, Bronson Reed versus Johnny Gargano versus Roderick Strong. I thought this was very good, but I also don't get Bronson Reed yet. What is his gimmick? He's just a, a fucking badass Samoan? Is that the thing? He's a big dude from Australia. Yeah. You know, he's, not, he's not Samoan. He's, he's a big dude from Australia. I don't know, man. It's just like... Yeah, but not I, everybody I necessarily that. needs like a gimmick, especially when when they're a visual type. I mean, it's very visual what he is. Whatever he is exists within him walking around and looking like that and acting like that. You know, I, I don't think it needs to be like. I would hate for him to put on like you know hookah shells or some shit. Whatever. I don't even know what they're called, but yeah, hookah necklace. Yeah, hookah yeah, necklace. yeah. I mean, so. I, I like that. I, that's what I actually do like about NXT, even though it somehow keeps me less entertained, that there's a lot of characters that aren't really defined. It's like very like black trunks, variations of different types of black trunks. They definitely don't bury... I'm, I'm glad he won, though. I thought he was the right one to win. 
I thought it was strange that they even went with uh, Gargano and Strong when the whole point of Keith Lee's speech was, I want to give people opportunities. And then two of the three guys that are in there are the guys that have been in that slot or higher this entire time. So I kind of assumed that they were going to go with, with Bronson. And then next week, it's, uh, it's Finn Balor and Dexter Loomis. And uh, I think Timothy Thatcher is the triple threat. Yeah, I think Thatcher's going to win. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, I I just you know like I like uh, I like I love I like Keith Lee a lot. I just hope he doesn't get too goody two shoesy. Like an opportunity for everybody. That kind of reminds me of you know when Diesel you know became like you know wearing the Santa hat like right after he beat Backlund. Uh, Oni Warkin versus Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher may be in my top five favorite wrestlers right now. This guy has an amazing look. He's awesome in the ring. I mean, he, he's fucking living the gimmick with that dental care. And Oni Lorcan <laughs> is great, too. I mean, I don't think it was as good as their first match, but I really liked it. What do you guys think of it? I think they told the story really well. Uh, the announcers were, were – and I, I'm not a huge Marlon Allo fan, but I thought him and Beth Phoenix, the way that they told the story of what was going on in the ring, really was helpful. And this is one of those matches that benefits from not having a crowd because I think an audience would start getting very restless. So I like the idea of educating the, the audience of this is what a good technical wrestling match should look like. And it can be intense without 35 moonsaults and 72 super kicks. Yeah. And, and I actually think um, th the way that they've been filming during COVID these closer shots, it benefits that type of wrestling so much um, that Robert's right. I mean, we really might only get, something like this for now because it might not really work um in a packed crowd uh but yeah i don't know i thought it was amazing i love those guys it, it makes me want to smoke a cigarette watching them <laughs> man if i could really we could really get into that scott uh, <laughs> dominic tychakovic versus carrying cross uh yeah the rocky four ending was awesome i, I thought tychakovic was awesome carrying cross he's got a great look and I, I thought he was good in this match. You know, I don't know what it is. I just, I feel like he was, he's, he's too perfect for the WWE right now. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but he's like too much of what they would want in a wrestler. And because of that, I'm like, well, where's his spin on it? And not even what WWE would want, what Triple H would want. I think like Triple H looks at Karrion Cross and he's like, this is the type of wrestler that I would be if I was his age today like heavy metal music hot chick great look like great body tattoos you know like 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 fucking menacing goatee it's all it's all these things that on paper should make a super heel and his move set is is devastating but i just don't i don't know there's just something missing i don't know what it's that a thing crowd is. a crowd is missing <laughs> maybe that's it yeah uh, dude. also uh scarlet has to stop singing along to his theme song it looks so hokey when she's walking around the ring. There's all this smoke. There's all this ambiance. And she's there singing along. It reminds me of the, the, the New Japan guy that we saw that comes out with the microphone. Yeah, Tai Chi. Oh, my God. It's not even the same planet as that. Tai Chi is on a, a whole new galaxy of bad. Yeah, but, but anything that makes me think of him automatically pisses me off. And, and I didn't want to. And, and it just took me out of the, uh, the, the moment a little bit. But what I like is that they put this match on right after the Thatcher match, you had this 
technical match of two guys who look kind of boring in just regular trunks so that when you see Cross come out, it's such a stark comparison. And it's like, look, we can do the wrestling and we can do the sports entertainment. And I like that part of it. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, that'll wrap up for NXT and AEW. Zach, do you, uh, do you have an opinion? Which one won the night? Uh, I, I was swayed this entire conversation. You guys were convincing me both ways all the time because I, I enjoyed both. But I think the finish to the Keith Lee, Dijako- uh, the, the cross Dijakovic match was better than anything on either show. So I got I to gotta give it to NXT from the, the final note. I'm so proud of you, Zach. Two and two, two and two. Number three, BTE or The Last Ride? Which one was more entertaining? Uh, what did you think of BTE, Scott? Dude, I'm sorry. I don't want to sound like a mark. It was amazing this week. It was like the best episode in like maybe a year or so. It, it, it opened with the Good Brothers. Did you guys watch it? I did, yeah. It, it, look, I mean, there's, there's some... The humor in it is like it's pretty indefensible. It's hard to explain to like anybody. I mean, I thought that the, they opened and, and closed very strong, you know. Yeah. So we had uh, we had the Bucks talking to uh, Gallows and Anderson, which was really cool in the beginning. Um, we had I like the Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Um, yeah. That they do on that. That's really funny. Uh, I thought Omega the Omega thing. Anybody listening who uh, didn't watch BTE, I think it's like at the 17-minute mark. It's a 30-minute episode. Um, the whole Omega thing with uh, the Bucks and Hangman and then um, Marco Stunt, I thought was unbelievable. Did you guys like that? Yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I liked both both shows. I, I, you know, I think that, like, BTE had my favorite parts, but The Undertaker, you know, as WWE, under, when WWE is good, it's not that, like, there are – certain things that are great is that they're super consistent and like that documentary was just super consistent so you know for me they were just as entertaining uh what about you rob robert was this your first time watching bte uh i watched it once or twice before i find the bucks kind of super annoying so i i've tried to stay away from it as much as i can but i did watch the the beginning with uh with gallows and anderson and that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, the way that they played it as being four years earlier um, and, and the shots that they were taking at everybody. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gallows and Anderson. I think they have great personality. I think WWE completely missed the boat on them in just about every way possible. It makes me miss those Southpaw regional wrestling uh, bits that they did. And it's just astonishing that these guys have in-ring skill and they had size and they have a personality. And... WWE just completely slept on them. They found a way to fuck it up. The one thing I'm convinced of watching The Undertaker last ride is partying with wrestlers would not be fun. <laughs> it would just, it would like, as much as like I, I put it up, I, I build it up in my head like, oh man, if I could hang out with Ric Flair. But like with most wrestler hangs, it's got to be like half them crying about their kids and then the other half yelling at a stripper for throwing their back out during a lap dance like it's and and i can't imagine just like like godfather like they built up this godfather versus undertaker you know the fat over the height like they're like fat fight over the hat they're like oh it's really funny it's very cute but if i was one of the people in that hotel room i would be fucking terrified i, I don't know what i would do i mean you you've probably i mean i've, I've partied with wrestlers maybe a couple times but like Robert, you've probably seen it, you know, way more than me and Scott. 
wrestlers when it depends on their moment and their mood but sometimes shit can get very scary very fast and you kind of feel like you're a gazelle while the lions are fighting just hoping they don't notice you <laughs> I, this wasn't a this wasn't necessarily a partying thing but we were in like the the room at one of the arenas and um all of a sudden like kurt angle came in to talk about something and briscoe showed up and decided he was just going to take kurt down and they just start having a full-on wrestling match, like throwing each other against the walls, like breaking drywall. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And this was a Monday, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, oh, it's just guys having fun. But when they do go out drinking, it does sometimes turn into the old guys like to go out. The younger guys, this was the start of the we're going to stay in a room playing video games era. But the old guys start telling a fun story. And they're like, oh, and then he did this. And he's dead now. And a lot of stories end like that. Either it's, it, it's fun and then it turns weirdly like racist, like Dusty's telling a funny story and somehow it ends with him accidentally at a Klan rally and you're like, what the fuck just happened in this story? <laughs> this could be his defense for when the pictures come out. Uh, number four, Rick Simpson, <laughs> since I've been doing the comparison thing, all 10 count, Rick Flair or the Angel of Death? Uh, man, why the... <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are they thinking down there? Just don't have Rick. They knew that this was going to happen. They knew that like somebody was going to get sick, and then if Ric Flair got sick, he was going to go into a public place without a face mask. Ric Flair is not, you know, checking with Doctor Anthony Fauci. That's just that's just not happening. Well, his I mean, wife has it, right? So his wife has it, it, and he says he doesn't. But and then he was spotted out without a mask at a Starbucks. At a Starbucks. He went, no, it was like he was in a public place without a mask. Yeah. I'm just, I'm happy he was wearing pants in public at this point. That's the low threshold I have for the nature boy. Um, having, having had the privilege of seeing his ass in person, um, I would, I'm, nothing will kill this man. Nothing will, he yeah. is impervious. He is the cure to COVID. That is, that is what Vince is banking on, that somehow yeah. the scientists are going to test his blood and find whatever is going to knock this thing out. Oh, he probably fucked the Wuhan bot and the bat in the early 80s and has just like a natural immunity anyway. Yeah, and then uh, you were right, Robert. Uh, uh, Apollo Crews does have COVID, and they did not mention it at all. They said that he was uh, injured or something. It was... Yikes. Uh, Every, everyone that's gone, I just assume, like uh, Billy Kay was off doing iconic business. Like, no, just, just say what's going on. I think it, it starts to insult the audience a lot when all these people just start randomly vanishing, like it's the leftovers, and we're just supposed to ignore the fact that they're all missing. <laughs> it's the leftovers, but they just all go to AEW. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to say... Like, like last year when the Ric Flair roast got canceled, we were like, oh, this is going to, oh, he's going to die. That's why it's got canceled. But then, you know, like, lo and behold, it's been, you know, a year and some change later and he's still alive. But yeah, I don't know. He's still going to, he's, I, I still don't think he has a whole, I, I still think he's, you know, he's running out the clock here. There's not much time left. What's your over under, Scott? You think he <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know. He's the nature boy. I give him 10, 10 more years. Wow, 80. Yeah. I remember a, a year ago he was on – he was, like, trending worldwide that he was on death's door and he had moments to live, and then he, he kicked out. I, I, I remember back in 2005 we were, we were doing a, a bit at – I want to say it was the Unforgiven pay-per-view. He wins the Intercontinental title, and the gag was he was going to grab a bunch of women from the crowd, 
bring him into the back to this limo so he could have sex with them. When then when they go in the limo, he was going to pull Viagra out of his out of his trunks and take the pills. So we got a bottle of Viagra, and then they come and like, no, 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 he has a heart condition. You can't give him Viagra. We were going to dummy up fake pills, and he's like, look, if you don't give me the real Viagra, I'm not doing the pre-tape. So I kind of weighed like, do we do the pre-tape or do I kill Ric Flair? Uh, and we gave him the Viagra, and, and he he survived. So wow. you know, nothing nothing kills the uh, nothing kills the grimace. Yeah, nothing will take down Flair. Uh, he's gonna live off until he until he drains all of Conrad's money. <laughs> um, who number five? Who had the best return this past week? Anybody from TNA? Steph McMahon, Ron Simmons, Ali. For me, it was pretty easy. I thought Sammy Guevara had the best return. Really? And, I mean, Ali did pretty pretty well, but I mean, Sammy was the return that uh, you know I thought at least they they put the most thought into. What do, what do you think, Scott? Well, it didn't feel predictable to you, like you really it's not felt- a little predictable, but you know at least like they did it in a way that like it was timed out right. You know, like it took him a long time to get that mask off his face, though. That was the best match of the week was Sammy against the Serpentico mask. Oh. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I think the Good Brothers had it uh, out of you know whatever debuts, returns, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Slammiversary got a lot of praise. They were the last thing on. They put like a cap on it. They felt like the biggest stars out of everyone who showed up there that night. And they, I mean, it was like everybody who got fired. Pretty right? Bar. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, sure, know, but like, Hawkins, like um, Eric Young, EC3. Am I missing anybody? Uh, oh, Heath Slater. Motor City Machine Later. Guns. Oh, well, yeah, that return was great. Oh, that was great, too, and they won the titles. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. Something about the Good Brothers closing out that show, um, seeing how much merch they have, how much buzz they have. Like, you know, they released, like, a podcast that people are talking about this week. They were on BTE this week. Every time I go online, they're talking about how they're definitely going to Japan and uh, – they actually seem like if COVID wasn't happening, they'd literally be the talk of wrestling. That's fair. Um, I, I, <laughs> it was fair. I think that's a, that's a, a good point. I just think the problem is, is that they had this big return on a, a TNA pay, or an impact pay-per-view and it had a lot of buzz online, but you know, how many people realistically ordered that show versus would have seen an episode of, of Raw or, or Dynamite or, or whatever it may be? Uh, same th- same feeling I had for EC3. I like what he's done as a character uh, until Mick Foley just murdered him on Twitter by pointing out he looks like Kurgan. And now I can't unsee it. Um, and I, I think the best return was probably Ali because they let him go out there. They made it seem like it was a big return. And he won. I mean, when was the last time Ali won a match? I, I'd say it's been it's been at least a year. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I actually did like Ali's return, and I really do like him. Um, I think it's kind of a bummer that we all thought he was going to be this hacker character, and, and now he's just back. I think that's a bit uneventful, just because I know in two weeks, what are they really going to be doing with him? I didn't think the hacker character was going to have life, because my guess is this was a pitch from Krista Joseph, because Krista Joseph had this pitch uh, back in, in 2005, 2006, that he wanted to do a, a, a hacker gimmick. And then it, it was going to go to, uh, I want to say, I think it was either Matt Capitelli or Johnny Jeter, one of those guys, and it, and it wound up getting dropped. 
So I'm guessing he repitched it, and then he he obviously parted ways with WWE, and is probably going to be back on uh, on Big Brother. They they were trying to build this story up that they were going to split a tag team, and then the teams that they were teasing, one of them was uh, Mandy and uh, Sonia, who they already split, and then they were teasing it was potentially going to be the Usos, and one of the Usos is on the shelf. So it, the gimmick had already kind of run its course before it even debuted. So I'm hoping just Ali being a talented wrestler on Raw is enough of a gimmick for him for now. I just don't know why they have the Power Rangers element, you know, with the fucking blue shit coming out of his hands and stuff. I like, like who that. Who the fuck is this for? It's, it's for, for Scott and it's small specifically children. Specifically me. <laughs> it's for Scott and small children. <laughs> Number six, this is more of a, this is a little bit off, uh, uh, off of what happened this past week, but um, what's the most awkward experience you've had with a wrestler? I have two, which I think I've shared both of them on the podcast before, so I'll say them very fast. Uh, number one would be when, Scott, were you with me, Anthony DeVito, and Evan that one time we went to no. like New, New Jersey Wrestling Syndicate? No. Anyway, we, uh, we took a picture with Vader, and he did the Vader sign in the wrong direction, like he had no idea where he was. And <laughs> you, can, you can see the picture. He's looking at the complete opposite way. And the other thing was a local wrestler. Uh, we went to go see my cousin's favorite wrestler when she was, uh, not my cousin's favorite wrestler, my cousin's next door neighbor who was starting to pro wrestle. And we didn't know what the gimmick was. So we got there and, and all of a sudden, like this like German pride music started playing and a neo-Nazi walked out. And my little cousin didn't know what a Nazi was. So she started doing a Nazi salute with the wrestler and, my aunt, her mom, like, had to, like, slap her hand down and be like, that's not what you think it is. She's like, what? What? Wow. Apparently that guy did a clan gimmick, like, a week later. You may know him as Cowboy Bob Orton. No, it's, uh, I don't think he made it. Um, how about you, Scott? Well, I mean, I've been in a room with Jim Ross before, and somehow he makes it very uncomfortable for everybody by just standing there. <laughs> I, I, Robert, have you felt this way? It's, it, it is so frightening and uncomfortable he is such a miserable human being uh, and it was like and it was such a letdown to me because i only knew you know what you see on tv and i meet him he's chain smoking and he's just like it's like somebody took a a, a push pin and just slowly popped the balloon and as it's just slowly sagging you know out you just hear about oklahoma football and it's just every jim ross encounter is awkward like his podcast every week is a is a nice reminder of of how daunting it is to be Jim Ross. It's exhausting. <laughs> if you're, I mean, he really is like the stump at the end of the Giving Tree. Like McMahon has used him for everything, and that's it. And he has that fucking like if like he says the sadness of if like Mickey Rourke played Grumpy Cats. It is, I mean, you can taste it in the air. He, he's a sad tuba on television every week. Like when you make Tony Schiavone seem like the bright ray of sunshine out of a group, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> How about you, Robert? You've probably been around I, wrestlers so, so uh, more than all of us combined. Two come to mind and surprisingly, well, so there's three, but one of them is the Teddy Hart story and figuring out awkward and Teddy Hart is kind of like, that's, that's price of admission. Uh, mm -hmm. One of them, when I was, uh, after I left WWE and I was, I was working for the, uh, the Florida Panthers, we had a WWE show at the arena. So I was kind of hanging out in the parking lot, catching up with the guys before they got there. And our, our security guy, who had no idea who the fuck any of these people were, the Usos pull up 
And everyone, he was told every wrestler was going to have like this, like sheet of paper that just says like, Hey, I'm allowed to park here. And if they don't have that paper, like don't let them in. There's tight security. So they show up, they don't have the paper and they're, they're screaming at him. And he's like, you know, I don't give a fuck who you are. You're not getting in here. They both get out of the car and square up to him. And he's like, I will kick both your fucking asses right now. Our security guy, big, huge dude. And they kind of, and I kind of went in there and was like, all right, no, they're, they're part of the show. They're, they're wrestlers. Let, let them in. But oh, for a couple yeah. of seconds, I thought the Usos were going to get their asses kicked by our, our security guy. Uh, another story, uh, while I was in WWE, we were, we were getting ready for a flight back home. And for some reason, uh, Michael Hayes, they, they, he had to get bumped. So he's like, well, they're like, all right, we need somebody to stay with Michael. We can't just leave him alone in the airport. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll hang out with him. We went to the airport Chili's and he's got his Halliburton suitcase and he's got his WWE polo shirt and he's sitting there and the waitress is talking to him and she sees the shirt, just kind of flirty. And she's like, Oh, are you, are you uh, with the WWE? And he's like, yeah, yes, I am. He gets all puffed up and she's looking at him and she goes, are you Jeff Hardy? <laughs> and you could, the look on his face as just every part of him just slowly seeped out of the bottom of his shoes. And he oh. just looked at me and he goes, you don't tell a fucking person about this story. Uh, <laughs> That's fucking great. I, I also forgot about this, this one. I went to SummerSlam, I think it was 2018 when Roman and Brock were fighting at Barclays. And on my way in, Teddy Hart was just outside in full gear, hoping somebody was going to recognize him. Just walking through the line. Did he have the cats? He didn't have the cats, oh. but he did have Davey Boy Smith Jr. And it was just, I mean, it was like, I mean, that was, it was like, even, even, it was sadder than fucking the Magic Kingdom during COVID. Uh, number seven, Scott's New Japan Corner. Scotty, what do we have? Ding, ding, ding. What, what, right. ding, ding. Uh, oh, well, so on Monday, right, at New Japan Road, uh, Hiromo, Naito, and Bushi of LIJ fought Bullet Club members, Evil, Dick Togo Woo! and Taiji Shimori. Uh, so Hiromu came out after the uh, other LIJ members and uh, he opened up his jacket, guys, and had a Bullet Club t-shirt on. Hiromu Takahashi. And then he turned and pointed at Naito and then he turned around and started beating up Evil. So he, was, he played a prank on Evil and, and he didn't turn heel and he beat up Evil. They're fighting this Saturday. But was Evil okay with the fact that he at least got the royalties for selling the shirt? Like, I feel like it's kind of <laughs> six of one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so Evil is fighting Hiromu for the title this Saturday at Sengoku Lord. Um, also, Jay White uh, Instagrammed, uh, like, picture of clouds. So unless he's, you know, posting an old photo, he is in the sky. So maybe he's going to Japan. I know... He lives in New Zealand, and I think they haven't had a COVID case in like a month or something, right? Something crazy like that. So um, so he might be there too. Jay White of the Bullet Club might show up. They fucking need him, bro. They need yeah, absolutely. him. Absolutely. Uh, number eight. Which wrestler seems like the darkest hang? We've talked about the most awkward experience that you've had with the wrestler. Let's talk about the darkest hang. I'm going to say the elephant in every room of darkness and that's jake the snake roberts i don't know how you can beat that not beat that guy i mean sure you can like i mean i'm sure like circumstantially you could be like benoit the night of that would be a darker hang but 
I, I still think Jake. Well, what he did to himself was a dark hang. Yeah, yo, now. Points. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought, I, you know, I thought, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know who you could beat. Can, can anyone beat Jake? That's my question. Dynamite Kid. You think Dynamite Kid would beat Jake? As far, yeah, because yeah, aren't you, know, you just sitting in a room with him? Like, you get better, I don't know. You get good parking. If you go with, out with dynamite, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's a benefit. I think I, 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 I don't know. You know what? Just in my limited brief interactions with him, I gotta say it's Bret Hart. Everything really? about him is so because there's just it's just constant sadness. It's like I've given my life to this this profession that that claimed you know my parents' fortune and their home. It it's killed off several members of my family. Any one of them that's still alive doesn't talk to me. Uh, it, it's it's just nothing but constant sadness for him. And I feel like he he's got this chip on his shoulder for his entire career. And anytime there's ever stories about Bret Hart and they're talking about what he was during the time, he's either he sounds like such a mark for himself where he cared so much about being the champion and being the best, and everybody else just cared about a paycheck. And then subsequently, he was just written off for years until he had to go crawling back to Vince McMahon, the person who embarrassed him and in some people's eyes potentially killed his brother due to recklessness. And he had to go shake his hand to be able to preserve any semblance of his legacy. By some people's eyes, we mean everyone but the state of Connecticut. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that there's an argument for that, for sure. I mean, when I was like... You know, at Starcast the last time, Zach, uh, Scott, did you were you there when um, Bret Hart did the talkback? No, no. Like he opened on the fucking Ring Boy scandal. That was his opener, and it was like ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a lot of people were uh, were mad mad with him that day because of how negative he was being. He also like buried the Rock and Roll Express for no fucking reason whatsoever. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it didn't make any sense at all. Number nine, Raw's viewership continues. To fall, it wasn't as bad as last week, but guys, who would have thought that the main event of Survivor Series 2013, Big Show versus Randy Orton, wasn't going to draw? Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Raw. It definitely was a better show than last week, but it it did not. You know, the they they do not have a long term solution. They just they haven't built anyone up yet. I, no. I just don't. I don't know what you do. I think this week's rating will be better. I think like the McIntyre Ziggler match is something I kind of, after watching them fight at um, Extreme Rules Horror Show, uh, that's something I want to see again. So I'm I'm gonna watch for that. But yeah, yeah, that they had a great match. But shit, man. I mean, imagine not being obsessed with wrestling. Like, why why would you tune in to who they are every week? It's like. There's just no, there's no building up of anybody. Anybody who has any potential, they lose or they're forgotten for two weeks and then brought back. It's all so inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, Robert, how many people, like, and you say you've noticed, even with your Twitter feed, the amount of interactions you're getting opposed to, like, like three years ago, right? Oh, it's a, it's a ghost town online. When I'm, when I'm tweeting, I'm yelling into a vacuum at this point. There's yeah. just, nobody seems to be tweeting about it. Nobody cares about it. There's no element of surprise to what they can do because they have a finite roster of people. So it's not like they can pull a rabbit out of a hat and convince Steve Austin to show up. But even if he did, who cares? Because you're not going to get a crowd reaction for it. I think right now they're just trying very hard to tread water. And I will say that the main event, the Randy Orton Big Show match, Randy Orton's trying his hardest 
to, to do the best work of his career, and it's noticeable. And it pains me to, to put over Big Show because Big Show a few weeks ago, nice enough to reply to something to me on Twitter, blocked me on, on Monday during his match, which is impressive because he's supposed to actually be wrestling. Uh, when I made a joke at the end of the show when Randy Orton was, was talking shit to him and he's like, I told you to go home. You're a legend. And I put something like Big Show would have been like, oh, that's so sweet. He thinks I'm a legend. And somehow that pissed off that big fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> so, so kids, if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast now, feel free to tweet Big Show and, and point out that he needs a sense of humor. If you didn't already know that from watching his, his uh, Netflix show. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm, uh... No, there's, cause there's a test pattern on somewhere that you can be watching instead of uh, Big Show <laughs> as Fred Flintstone. <laughs> All right, folks. We, uh, we got a special guest for uh, numbers 10 and 11. Yes, I fucked up the count this week. We're going to number 13. We met him in Las Vegas. His name is DJ Rod. Welcome to the show, DJ Rod. How you doing, buddy? Chilling, man. Hey, congratulations on the wedding, my brother. I haven't talked to you since you got Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, uh, I bought my wife off of Rodney. He uh, <laughs> graphics women. No, um, number, uh, we're going to get right into it. Number 10, uh, still having PTSD from the Swamp Match? I'm going to go with you first, DJ Rod. What do you think? Well, okay, we watched a man get murdered on, yeah. on pay-per-view. And on top of that, like you said, PTSD, they legit just had two people die drowning this past in the last two months and they're gonna go and have a swamp match where the ending is someone drowning to death yeah i, for, I totally forgot about the shad gasford of it all i totally fucking forgot about you that. guys are missing the point he's i didn't think he was drowning at all he's clearly going into bray's world it's like in that star yeah. wars where they swim under the water and then everybody hated that scene too it's like that, that was the it, but that's what it is that was the excuse Ted Kennedy used years ago, and that's how he was still able to be a politician. <laughs> uh, she's, uh, she's in a magical land now. Uh, she is not dead. She's yeah, inside I, I, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Oh, Man, apparently Vince loved this. That's that's what I hear. Is that Vince like this was like his favorite match of the night? What, Rob? Did you hear that? I did. I heard that he loved all of this shit because it's like he's getting the opportunity to live out his fantasy of making a movie because, you know, God damn it, we're entertainment. That's basically what it is. It's, it's pretty disgusting, though, at the same time. But then when you think about it, it's like this pay-per-view was all Vince McMahon. This was like Vince at his peak. All the bullshit, all the crappy endings, everything. It was Vince McMahon in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I think that this next, the cinematic matches are just going to get worse and worse. I think what they need to do is have Vince McMahon watch good movies, like give him the AFI top 100 movies. I mean, did he, Robert, did he ever bring up like in casual conversation, like some album or some movie or some TV show that is empirically good? Um, we, I know that he watched Billy Madison and he <laughs> liked Billy Madison. Um, and it was like a couple weeks prior, and this is 2005, so it's been a long time, but he, he liked Billy Madison, uh, and he let us do a, a gag of Brothers Don't Shake Hands, Brothers Got a Hug on TV uh, because of it. It's one of the few, that and listening to Kid Rock on the plane are the two like uh, pop culture Vince things that we saw. 
That explains how much he likes Otis. So he just likes Farley as the bus driver in that movie. <laughs> That's basically who Otis is. Yes, and oh. sideburns and everything. He is. Legit. match was absolute shit because it wasn't a match. That that's the problem with these things is there's no wrestling in them, and and that's all I want to see. Like even in a fighting movie, like even in a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, there's more actual fighting happening. There, okay, but as a say as a counterpoint to that, we didn't have to watch and wrestle a match, and you cannot stress enough how terrible. Uh, a, a straight up Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt as the man from the swamp match would have been versus how bizarre and five days later we're all still twitching and drinking the from the swamp fight. I just can't believe they they couldn't get one fucking alligator for this thing. They couldn't get one goddamn alligator. You know they had to have b rolls of like animals in in, in night seeking vision. It, 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 they got a snake though, even though it felt like the, a snake doesn't even live in that area. Like it <laughs> felt like it had nothing to do. I don't know. You never hear of those type of snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fucking shit. Like, so bad. Number, number 11, the Booker T. Naomi controversy. These two keep going back and forth. We should start out by saying uh, Naomi deserves better. Trended on Friday for for SmackDown, and Booker T took offense to that. And then Naomi's uh, friends went after Booker T for taking offense to that. And then Booker T took offense for people taking offense that he took offense. You get it? It's a snake eating its own tail. Uh, DJ Rod, you got some opinions on this. Who do you think was in the right? Who do you think was in the wrong? All right, so as your resident black man for this whole situation, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this. Like, think about it. Shoot, he's black, folks. I know this is audio. Yeah, I'm black. Yeah, just letting you guys know. I like Jordans. I, me too, me too. I like big booty uh, white girls and Hispanic girls. And, yeah, so I'm black. But let's get back to it. Booker T, he was right. A lot of the stuff that he did say was, like, legit. Like, this was real. It, and I don't think that anyone should have taken it as critical as they did take it because when you read into what he's saying he's saying that just work hard just work hard bust your ass because nobody's gonna give you anything and especially like i don't want to pull a race card here but especially being black you do have to work kind of harder sometimes you know because to get noticed and especially when you're the only black person and it's like five fifteen twenty different different white women that you have to compete with and you're the only one, you do have to work a little harder to get seen. And she, they just took it out of context because like, okay, do you guys remember last year, all the trouble Jimmy Uso, Jimmy Uso got in last year? Oh yeah. Cause yeah, the yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. He got in trouble probably about three or four times back to back. I remember he got in trouble one time because he fought with a cop, like legit. And it was on the news. And it was a big deal. And Naomi was in the car with the guy. I wouldn't doubt WWE kind of has her in the doghouse right now. And I wouldn't doubt that. Because, because of the DWI? Because of the DWI. It was a very public incident that made news headlines. He was going to fight a cop. They even released the video on the news of him like talking crap to the cop. So that, and then on top of that, she got injured late, like right after. Then on top of that, she took time off to deal with more personal issues. So it could be one of those situations where they just don't trust her right now. They need, she needs to earn back that trust because they feel like they can't rely on her. Uh, what do you think, Scott? 
my thing with earning something is I, I, I used to feel that way until you go, well, who's, whose approval does she have to earn? I mean, it's the fans, isn't it? Isn't it the people who are saying, hey, give her a chance? Because otherwise the approval she's trying to get is like just the guys who run the show. Like I, I'd prefer people the fans want to, you know, that, that's who I would like to see shine. I mean, that's why you have Daniel Bryan. That's why you have CM Punk. Like, that's why these things worked, because the fans wanted them to work. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who you have to work hard for besides the fans in 2020. I do understand that used to be the case, and I kind of get it. But now I, I think the only approval you need is, is, is the, uh, the fans. Andy Cups. So as the resident Jew, I don't know, I have to, like, I have to give a caveat <laughs> before I get my opinion. <laughs> I don't, I, I think that the whole give Naomi a chance thing was people getting worked. You know what? She was on television. She was in a match. She lost in a scripted program. She got, she, it's not like she's been left off TV for five months like uh, Ali was. Uh, she, she's been given opportunities. They're not holding her down. It's the women's division. There's only so many slots. There's only so many people to begin with. And she was in a, a, a fairly prominent spot a few months ago. Look at Carmella, who was being pushed to the moon for a month, and then she's gone. They just are terrible at booking the women's division. And Booker T's point of when people go online and they start these whole campaigns, it's just stupid. And with all due respect to Naomi, she's great in the ring. What has she done to evolve her character? And, and I, I point to Bailey. Bailey was very consistent in the ring. But now that she's shifted into this heel character, she's tapped into something that makes her far more interesting than she was for the last five years as I have a side ponytail and I hug people. Yeah, her big character trait is glow sticks. It's not exactly... But, you know, the one thing that does annoy me about, like, anyone getting over at WWE now, it always has to be this groundswell, Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston. Like, they basically... The only way to get over at WWE is... You have to get booked terribly, and then eventually the internet will say, hey, this person deserves more, and Vince McMahon will, will take notice. And I have no idea. First off, I have no idea who are all these bots. That are, it feels like WWE's like Twitter response. Like it's, it's, it's like crafted by Vladimir Putin or whoever like helped Trump win. I, I don't even like – I sometimes go through the hashtags, and I'm like, none of these are real people. Yeah, like, all the these way. are, like, weird background photos and, like, there's misspellings. Like, was this created by some fucking Russian bot? I, I don't understand it. Um, if that was the case, Rusev would still be there. <laughs> that's it's just fans He'd tweeting, be like, super Rand over. Randy Orton truly is the Viper. And you're like, who are you saying this to? <laughs> who is this for? But it's it has Orton like, with the O with the slash through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you got, you got to just panicked, like, you just got to uh, fucking some panicked Vince McMahon assistant, like, oh, the Viper, the Apex Predator, I, I don't know. Uh, DJ I, Rod, before you leave here today, do you have anything you'd like to plug, sir? Any, any, any dates coming up? I know it's been hard with COVID, probably, to fucking do anything, because it has been as a comic. It is over. I have nothing for the rest of the year. <laughs> Oh. Has a everything is dead so yeah no gigs no dates no nothing so i'm here and i'm sitting inside of my little mini studio that i have with my dj gear and oh, all my he's, stuff he's but, lying uh, he's actually recording from under a bridge that's how bad it's gotten rod what's your favorite wrestling theme ever oh jive so bro 
Jive Soul Bro by um what's that? Uh that was slick. The Doctor of Style oh, Slick. Okay. I don't even remember that one. No. I got Dude, y'all don't remember Jive Soul Bro? No. no. What Akeem used to come out to. Do I need to play it for yeah, you play guys? It, play it. Play a little Jive Soul Bro for us. Do, do, do we have the money? Right. Do we have the money for this? Because Slim Johnson's <laughs> gonna come after all of us. He's gonna take that sweet microphone you have. <laughs> I, I wish this was a sweet microphone. This is like my backup microphone because I couldn't find the other one. So, yeah. Oh, bro, there it is. Right there. Slick. And let's play. Come on, Dan. You're going to remember I'll this. I'll probably remember once I hear it. Awesome. The gun well, went off. Great. It kind of reminds me of Owen Hearts a little bit. Well, I met this lady and I told her quite a story. Said I love her forevermore. All right, I don't want to get a. I don't want to get a, <laughs> we, have a, we have a slick listening party. Our license. So, Yo, yeah, DJ Rod, thanks that. for coming on, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> now he's just playing random music. DJ Rod, thanks for coming on. It was man. great seeing you, bro. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate. I'll see you later. Have a good one. DJ Rod, everyone. That was DJ Rod, everybody. Let's get back. We got two more topics left um, because I uh, forgot that uh, we had to do that. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, that is number 12. Everybody hates Heyman. This past week, uh, both AJ Styles and the Good Brothers went after Paul Heyman. And for no reason, Randy Orton went after AJ for being a flat earther. That's not in the 10 count, but that was probably my favorite Twitter beef of the week. Uh, Paul Heyman has uh, said that he is um, that I mean, uh, Paul Heyman basically made a bunch of promises to the Good Brothers, according to the Good Brothers, and AJ Styles specifically moved to SmackDown because he couldn't look at Paul Heyman in the eyes anymore. Are we getting worked here? Is was this? Uh, it seems yeah, like a shoot. I, I think we're getting Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles. What? I think we're getting Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. <laughs> we already had that. It was great. I'd see it again. Yeah, and I think we're going to have it again. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, is this do you I mean, Robert, here's my question. Are they just are they demonizing Heyman because they can't demonize Vince? Cuz I feel like that happens a lot backstage where Vince is the one who makes the decision, but because you can't shit on Vince because he's essentially god of wrestling, they go to who they can shit on, the person who's right underneath them. Oh, 100%. I, the fact that they're, you know, angry that Paul Heyman lied to them. Uh, they, they've been around the business for, for how long they think Paul Heyman has an actual say in what's going to happen on the product. Yeah. That, yeah, that's what's know, so yeah, I'm sure, to me. It, I, I'm sure he saw those guys and said, you know what, if I had my way, you would be top, you know, you'd be the top stable on Raw. I'd be putting all the steam behind you. I'm trying everything I can. And if Vince says no, you're not changing his mind. It thinks back. To, I think back to when, when Paul Heyman quit in 2006 after the ECW pay-per-view because he couldn't get CM Punk. They wouldn't let CM Punk win the Elimination Chamber or whatever, the Extreme Elimination Chamber. And he was like, well, this is just stupid. I, I think that uh, it's fashionable sometimes to, to bag on Paul Heyman and, and call him a, a liar. And AJ, I think, is partially feels guilty that he's still there and he couldn't save Gallows and Anderson. So he's going to try his best to, to babyface for them and, and take the shots at Heyman, and maybe Vince will see it and be like, oh, he's a company man. Yeah, AJ, AJ is always uh, wrong. 
what is that about? Every opinion he has is like, like you think he's going to get somewhere, and then it's it's the it's the opposite of the correct response a person should have. I don't think he has any reason to be mad at Paul Heyman right now. It's very con- weird. It's very. Your boys got fired by Vince. I mean, to not say something about Vince, but to complain about Heyman, is uh, you come off like a clown. I'm a little shocked, Scott, that you're a round earther. I, I thought higher <laughs> of you. <laughs> Next thing I know, you're not going to believe in the lizard people who live underneath the, uh, the, the core of the earth. I'm uh, agnostic when it comes to the, the shape of the world. Yeah, I, um, it, it was, it's like a weird... Yeah, I, I think that people take a shot. I also think it's, it was, it's just super funny that fucking now everyone has, because of Daniel Bryan, everyone has license to just shit on AJ Styles for being a flat earther. And Randy, Randy just said that out of nowhere this past week. He was just like, yeah, this guy believed that. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> it is really shitty to do to a guy who's like, I mean, he's one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And like to... I mean, imagine the guys doing that to like a Bret Hart back then or a Shawn Michaels. Like none of these guys would have allowed that type of, that's really insulting because it is embarrassing for, for him to believe that. Okay, but AJ Styles has gotten ding now for the flat earth thing, for not coming out on the Black Lives Matter issue, uh, for years ago using a bunch of homophobic slurs. Like every, every time he's not in a wrestling ring, he's a fucking disaster, which is why he needs to wrestle until he's like 80. Keep him in a four-sided ring, a six-sided ring. Let him wrestle. Never let him talk because anything else he does, it just makes you just sadder and sadder. It feels like he should be the spokesperson for the Creation Museum gift shop. You know, <laughs> he, has that, he has that vibe. Uh, number 13, last but not least, Mike Tyson will not be wrestling at all outs against Chris Jericho. He will be fighting again. He'll be fighting Roy Jones, which... I'm definitely going to buy, even though it's kind of a guilty pleasure to see two 50-year-old guys who were the best fighters ever now, you know, like giving each other long-lasting permanent damage. But, I mean, if that's the case where Jericho and Mike Tyson are never going to meet up, that means that we got that weird-ass angle on Dynamite for absolutely fucking nothing. We got, like, who was that actor guy that Tyson brought out again? Chewy? Or what was his name? Dude, I do, I do, I know exactly who you talk. He looked like a Chewy. I don't know his name, but he, <laughs> he Zach, looked do you like remember a who he was? The guy that was shoving with Mike Tyson. No. Yeah, he had, like um, raccoon eyes and I'm he was acting all deranged. Yeah, he was like trying to play like some sort of. Uh, oh, it's the Gooch, Mickey Gooch Jr. That's who it was. Mickey Gooch. So it, basically, this entire segment was trying to get Gooch over. That was the point of it. This, I mean, well, well, though, hold on. What about this? So I heard that the undercard is going to be a mixture of like, um, like boxers fighting MMA guys and stuff like that. Um, so what if they get some AEW guys involved? What if, what if AEW has a match on this card somehow? What if they are doing business on some level? As a wrestling match or having them fight, like having Jake Hager fight an MMA fight? Well, ma- yeah, maybe Hager fighting, yeah, may- maybe Hager fighting a boxer or something, you know? Uh, who knows? But, Feels uh, very TNA. Shit, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely ordering it. I mean, it's such a, it's such a 2020 situation. And if it's the last 
50 to to $100 I have left. I think that's a great way to go out. Um, Yeah, what a year. I'm excited for September when when we're all still alive watching Mike Tyson fight in an empty ring arena. That's true. It's going to be empty. What a weird... It's going to be so surreal. Man, that's like a fucking David Lynch movie. Just Mike Tyson fighting 20 years later in an empty arena. And we're going to hear him. I mean, we're going to hear him. Whatever he has to say, it's going <laughs> well, to be awesome. Touched in the face. It's like going to be so like, fucking did all fun. this spiritual work on himself, and it's just going to like go out the window now. Yeah, I'm pumped. Do you know oh. where it's being held, Robert? What? Do you know where it's being held? Is it in I, Vegas? I don't know. I'm not it's being sure. held in an empty pool at Caesar's Palace. They're going to drain <laughs> it and just let him fight. Robert, what was did, when you ever worked for WWE or MLW? Was there a situation like that? Did you guys ever like build something that you're like, ugh, this seems dumb, but maybe if we like get that snooky match, it'll pop a pop a number. Uh, ha- did you guys ever had? I know in WrestleMania 19 they had. Uh, I think John Cena was supposed to. I don't know who was supposed to like. I think he was supposed to rap battle T Pain. I forget who he was supposed to rap battle, but it's a guy who didn't show up. Or he was did. just rap. Oh, I, I can't, can't remember. It wasn't T Pain, but I know exactly what you're what you're talking yeah, about. Minute, I forget who it was. Um, I know for like the past five years, they've always been like Eminem was supposed to be here this year. Yeah, maybe they just keep saying that. It's like the Beatles. They're like, oh, they're supposed to reunite here. <laughs> did you ever have that where just a celebrity like kind of bailed last minute, Robert? Uh. Nothing, nothing comes to mind in terms of a uh, a celebrity that was supposed to show up and didn't. I mean, there's times where it's happened where they were building up like that Mickey Rourke thing with Jericho, and then they weren't allowed to pay it off because oh Mickey God. Rourke wasn't allowed to to wrestle. It seems very strange that they didn't lock down Tyson to a a, a fight deal. That they they did this this angle and they gave him time and they didn't do some kind of contract where they were going to have a return fight. And it makes AEW look uh, look bad by comparison. This is the kind of shit that you saw in TNA. You would sometimes see in WCW where they bring someone in and then they they wind up not ultimately paying it off, and it just looks like uh, they're they're whoring themselves out for a celebrity. I think I think the difference is is that was WCW after they were already an established company, and this is a new company that I think when they're approaching anybody of any high status, especially a Mike Tyson. It's just open arms. It's, hey, guys, come on our show. Do what you got to do. Even if these people show up in WWE the next week, hey, at least we in good faith had them on. We were respectful. We, we, we had a handshake, whatever, whatever. Um, that's good business for a young company, to, especially a young guy like Tony Khan, to kind of stick your neck out there and say, hey, I, I'm all for promoting whoever needs it. And hopefully uh, it pays off in the future when he goes, hey, remember we did this? Well, now we're getting these kind of numbers. Would you like to come back and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's good business, no? What was what was the weirdest thing is they had like Henry Zahudo and and Vitor Belfort. Like they had other people that you could kind of you could if you had booked that in a better way, like you could have tilted one of those guys to well, face. I, I, th- I think a major problem is someone was too nervous or it, it involved too much money to ask Tyson, "Hey, can we do a run through of this with your guys?" For some reason, they thought it wasn't necessary, and so it fucking stunk. Even when Jericho was talking about this on his podcast, made the inner circle on, which is a, it's a great episode to talk as Jericho. But they were talking about like the Gooch, and then they were like, "Yeah, we were like looking at like Hager, like is Hager gonna have to do something?" And I'm like, "Guys, 
Jake Hager is in – he's in the, like, ring. I, I understand the guy fights MMA, but he's literally in the ring with some of the greatest boxers and fighters of all time. If these guys decided to go AWOL, you'd all be fucked. There's yeah. no way that any of you could have even a chance of taking down Cejudo or any of these guys, you know? Like, I understand you could take down Gooch. I, I you know, I could maybe take down Gooch. But, uh, Gooch, don't come after me. You look kind of unbalanced. So. You think if Lesnar was there, he, he could have fucked them all up? No. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, like, if they were together, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question because he has so much more size on, you know, Tyson's so much older. But, like, who, who else was it? Was, it was Belfort, uh, Vitor, and it was Henry Zudo, and then there was somebody else that was the fourth fighter. Zach, do we remember who that was? Or, Robert, do you remember who that was? I just disappointed Dave Meltzer. I didn't know who the uh, the fourth MMA fighter was in the background of a Mike Tyson sketch on AEW TV. <laughs> uh, I, I think Lesnar yeah. would have a good go, man. I, I I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Lesnar's the only guy like him and Matt Riddle who would like legitimately like hold their own in a situation like that. But yeah, I just don't. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, Belfort is like a, you know, like one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah, maybe, maybe Lesnar would have been. All okay, right. guys, what about this? All Rashad those guys, Evans. Rashad Evans was there. All those guys you said, except they're not fighting Lesnar. They're fighting the Fiend. <laughs> oh, then they definitely lose. Yeah. Psychologically, they're ruined. I, I say. Psychologically, that's it. Did- they all wind up inside the fiend. <laughs> that's right, baby. Ernest scared stupid style. <laughs> all right, folks. That's the end of the episode. Please subscribe and rate our podcast. Like Robert had said, we have an awesome shirt, total our total F and Mark shirt available on ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, if you're a Patreon member this weekend, and I apologize that I've advertised this so much and that Scott and Robert and Zach have to go through this, guys. Let me know your Venmo, and I will met, I will I will even I will Venmo you each six dollars. We are going to watch Money Plane, starring Kelsey Grammer and Edge. Ah. so uh, it's I mean uh, you know I haven't I haven't looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score of this yet. Maybe I'll look it up right now. Let's let's see what the uh, let's see where we are uh, Rotten Tomatoes wise. I'm also I'm gonna be disappointed if it's like thirty percent. Like I want this to be a a, a two percenter. Or like the it super is, hit of the year. Twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. There wow. are three good reviews. Oof. Well, also uh, as a palate cleanser, I think we should each give um, our favorite Edge moment or Edge match or something, and, and maybe we could talk about that too a little bit on the yeah, that's uh, a- on the Patreon. I'm gonna give my favorite episode of Frasier because I'm a huge <laughs> Frasier mark. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, t- the, the, the places that gave it a good review are Splice Today, uh, Flickering Myth, and Film Threat. All of those sound like, like, like viruses that Putin gave Hillary Clinton before the election. Like, they all sound terrible. Yeah, these are the same people who, are, who reviewed uh, all of Rob Zombie's albums positively, too. I mean, this is... I'm just excited to to make the very narrow Frasier wrestling crossover jokes that three people in the world will get, like calling it toss salad and scrambled edge. This is what I'm excited about, folks. Uh, no! Tune into the Patreon for for 
you know, two hours of, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to recap this thing minute by minute, right? Yeah, no, it's going to, no, it's going to be an hour. I, I do not think it's going to, God, I really hope it's not longer than an hour. Um, <laughs> Zach? We all went silent. Oh, Zach. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> well, well, follow our Twitter. Total F and Marks at Total F and Marks. Follow our Twitter and join the Patreon, like you said. Right, and buy that t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com. Got and Robert, what do you got this week? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And, and just, just for the sake of fun, because I know my, my buddy enjoys listening to the show. It's my buddy Zach's birthday today, so I want to wish him a, hey. a happy birthday. Happy uh, birthday, Zach. Zach, it's your birthday. Go, you shouldn't be listening to the podcast right now. Dude, go celebrate with your wife. Um, you can listen to this sometime over the weekend. <laughs> Scott. Uh, and listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days, with Brendan Sagalow. Very funny podcast. Comes out on Tuesdays. Listen, Brent, Brendan makes a very convincing uh, woman. He dresses up as a woman on Instagram. Well, maybe for you, but not so much. Oh, no, I'm in, you're right. You're right. I have. Uh, what can Brendan's I say? A pretty, a pretty hot chick. If it's weird, uh, I'm gonna steal Zach's gimmick. Everybody, wash your hands. Keep safe. Thanks again. <laughs>